Um, I had been Martha. I told I texted mom this past week, and I was like, I had been Martha-ing it all 10 days that Pastor Jason and Elizabeth has been gone. Um, if Jason is watching this, close your ears at the second because I have gone through the house and thrown away a ton of stuff. And I'm like, I'm taking this opportunity and I am deep cleaning. So if Jason, you're watching this, I didn't throw anything away that is yours. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> he knows me better than that because I am the throwaway queen. Um, so I was, <laughs> I was um, last night, Jude went to the Auburn game. Um, Lydia was spending the night with someone, and I was by myself at the house. And I felt like I didn't have any responsibilities. And at a few, few minutes during the night, I would just go to sleep, sleep real good, and then I'd wake up. And I'd be like, oh, tomorrow's Sunday, right? I got to preach, right? Yeah. And so I took time. I had to take time. I told mom yesterday when I texted her, I said, I've been Martha-ing all week. Now I'm Mary-ing tonight. And, um, and so the Lord just kind of gave me, he started this word um, the beginning of this week, and then I just kind of finalized it last night. Um, so I just pray that it touches your heart and soul, and it's life-changing for you. So our missions team is headed back today. Um, I texted Jason earlier. It's uh, let's see, it's 11 o'clock here. That means it's about eight, 7, 8 o'clock there. They were already headed to the airport, and they're flying out at 11 o'clock tonight over there. And um, they'll get into Paris. They have a six-hour layover in Paris. And Elizabeth is very disappointed because they can't leave the airport. But she has put her feet down into Paris. and uh, But she can't leave the airport. And so they're going to wait there six hours. Then they're headed back to Atlanta. And they should be in Atlanta tomorrow at 5. So, wow, that is a long trip. So can we just take a few minutes and just pray for them as they travel? Father, we thank you today. We stand together as the body of Christ and as um, our family is over in Africa at this moment. We thank you, Lord, that you are already preparing the pilots. You're already preparing the planes. You're already preparing the layovers. You're already preparing the land that they will land in. Lord, we thank you. You're preparing the airways. You are already prepared um, the the landings. Lord, you've already prepared the weather. And Lord, we thank you that it is working together for all of their good. And so, Father, we thank you for protection. We thank you that you are with them. We thank you that everything will just go smoothly. And Lord, they get here home and they're able to drive home from Atlanta, um, have energy and be awake to be able to drive home and have a safe trip home. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to send people from Greenville, Alabama at Life Change Church all the way to Africa and be a part of the Great Commission. And so, Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We can't wait for them to get back and next week tell us everything that they got to experience. And so, Father, we thank you for this, and we agree together for safe protection, safe travels, and that angels would encamp around about them and keep them safe in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so I want to tell you just a little story, and then they're going to be here next week, and they'll give us all kinds of testimonies. But this is kind of what just started the sermon um, for this week. Uh, you know, we, last week I talked about the wells, and so if you didn't have a chance, if you weren't here, go back and listen to that. Um, it's just a message that God gave me uh, about wells because our team is over there drilling a well, and um, so I wanted to just continue that conversation today. And so I want to tell you a story about uh, Jason and them getting over to the village that they got to and what happened when they started um, drilling the well. Well, they are over there and um, the, the ladies have to walk a mile and a half 
to the well, uh, I mean, not to the, to the water source that they have, and then a mile and a half back. So that's, what, three miles, right? If I'm doing my math right, is that right? Three miles. Three miles every day to get water, okay? And so the, and the water that they get is salty. Can we sink, let that sink in? It's salty water, okay? I'm talking about for generations, these people have never tasted fresh water. You know, you go to different communities and you're, or you go down to the beach or you go spend the night somewhere that's away from your home and your regular water and all the water has a little bit of a different taste. But have you ever turned the faucet on and gotten salty water? Pretty much every water we've ever drank was good, right? And so, um, so here they are gathering water, going three miles, and the water is salty. And obviously it's not salt, too salty that they can't drink it, but it has just some salt to it. And so they get over there and, you know, they're talking to the people in the village, and there's two ladies there. Miss Margaret, one is 96 years old. And almost 100. There's two ladies. One's 96 and one's almost 100. For years, I would almost wager for their entire lives, they have prayed that God would bring fresh water. And so they're looking at our team and they're saying, you are answers to our prayers. This well that is being drilled right here is an answer to our prayers. And so we were praying, you know, and, and I just was thinking about that. And I'm like, my gosh, this, you know, the water is salty and they can't, can't drink it. And, um, you know, so we started praying that the water that they were drilling would be fresh water. And Mike's, Mike McRae said, even if it is not fresh water that comes out and it's still a little salty, I can put a filter on it. And for the very first time in generations, they can taste fresh water. Fresh water. And so I was just thinking, and we were praying, you know, the, praying over the well, praying that they would, they would, it would drill in, and it would just gush, and it did. And so as I, we, were, we were praying about this, I was just studying the Bible, and I turned and just was studying, and I opened up this scripture, um, and it's found in 2 Kings 2. And there's, it's the, the scripture I'm going to focus on today is, is sandwiched between two really awesome stories about Elisha. Okay, the first story that is sandwiched between is Elijah going to heaven and his cloak falling off and Elisha getting it and Elisha receiving a double portion from the Lord. Okay, so that's the first story. And then we have the scripture that I'm about to tell you. Um, and then right after the scripture I'm about to tell you, there's another story. And some of you might not know that this is in the Bible, but let me tell you how I do know. Because Jason has quoted it several times, and it is a funny story to me. So I'm going to start off with the, the end of the sandwich, and then we're going to go into the verse that I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to preach from, okay? But we're going to go to first, we're going to go to 2 Kings 2, 23 through 5. This has nothing to do with a whale, okay? I'm just telling this story to you for a benefit, because if you've never heard it, you need to hear it. All right. From there, Elisha went up to Bethel, and as he was walking along the road, some boys came out of the town and jeered at him. Now get this. They said, get out of here, baldy. Did you know that was in the Bible? They said, get 
out of here, baldy. Now they're talking to the man of God, and apparently Elisha is bald. All right? And he turned around and looked at them and called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. And then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. And he went on to Mount Carmel and from there returned to Samaria. Okay, did you know that was in the Bible? Some of you are shaking yes. Some of you did not know. Now, if, you, if, if you're a kid and you have ever called Pastor Jason bald, he quotes this story to you, okay? And he will say, Mm-mm, don't talk bad about men of God. Bears will come out, okay? And uh, so I don't know if you didn't know, but there's kids in the Bible that call the man of God baldy, all right? Okay, so I knew that story. I knew the story about Elisha receiving the double portion from the Lord. All right, now we're going to go to our message for today. This is our, our main scripture, 2 Kings 2, 19 through 22. And I literally had talked to Jason about what was going on with the well. And that day, like within like an hour, I read this scripture. I, I know I've probably read it before, but it just had not stood out to me. And so I read the scripture and it says, The people of the city said to Elisha, Look, our Lord, this town that we're living in right here, it's very well situated. Okay, it's a good town. It's very well situated. And as you can see, it's, it's, it's a good location. But the water is bad and the land is unproductive. Okay? And so here's what Elisha says. Now remember, he's just received a double portion from the Lord. He takes his cloak that, he, that, that comes down from Elijah, takes it, whips the Jordan River, it parts. Miracle, right? All right, the very next thing that happens is this. Bring me a new bowl. Everybody say new bowl, he said. And put salt in it. What do they put in it? Salt. All right, so we've got a new bowl and we've got salt. And so being the man of God who was anointed, man, they just saw him part open the, the Jordan Sea. Guess what they did? They didn't call him baldy. They said, okay, and they brought it to him. All right, Scott, go to 21. And then he went out to the spring. And remember, the spring is bad water, right? And threw the salt into it, saying, this is what the Lord says, I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. And the water has remained pure to this day according to the word Elisha had spoken. So I read this story, which I'm sure I've read before, but I just did not remember it. And I read this right after Jason tells me about them drilling the well in Africa. And the Lord says to me that as I'm reading the story, this is a word for the people in Africa. That they're going to have water and it's going to be productive 
And though the water was bad, it's going to be good, and the land is going to be productive. And so I was thinking, okay, God, that was a word for Africa, and Jesus is saying today it's a word for us here in Greenville, Alabama. So I want to go back. Scott, if you'll go back to that first verse, I think it's verse 19. And I want to talk about the city. Because if you haven't read the story with me from, you know, the sandwich that I was talking about, the very first story talks about what city that they're in. And here we have a city that they're in, and it's well situated. It means it's in a great location, but the city has a major, major problem, and the major problem is what? What's the source of their problem? Bad water. And because of the bad water, the land is barren. It's not productive. That means nothing can grow, okay? This is a serious problem, right? If nothing's growing, there's no life, Because a well-situated city should be full of life. Is that not right? Shouldn't it be full of life? It should be productive. Like food should just be bursting at the seams. Like fruit should just be hanging off the vines, right? If it's well-situated. But there's a problem, and it's bad water. Matter of fact, Jesus speaks about a well-situated city in Matthew 5.14, and it's a whole different look at a city. Let's turn there. It's Matthew 5.14, and this is what Jesus says about a city, the way a well-situated city should be. And he says this. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. He's talking about a new city, and that city he names, and you know whose name it is? The new city, the town of Joy Byler. Oh, it's got a nice ring to it, doesn't it? Right? The town of Nick Rogers. That's, that's, that's a good town right there, right? He names you a city. And he tells you the way you should look. You are the light of the world. You're a town built on a hill, and you cannot be hidden. Jesus calls us a city. And then he calls you productive. Let's look at this, Matthew 5, 15 through 16. All right, you're not a non-productive city. You have some good water if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, or you should, right? And so you should be productive. You should be producing fruit. And here's what he says about your city. In Matthew 5, 15, 16, it says this, Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Doesn't that sound like a life, a city full of life, a city full of of productiveness, a city that is making a difference? And then as we learned last week, that as followers of Christ, that we drink from the well that is Jesus, and he gives us living water. And so if we are a city built on a hill, and Jesus is providing the water, then our water is not bad, it's 
good. So let's read John 7, 37 through 38, and see what Jesus says about his water. He said on the last, John says here in, in verse 37, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. So we are called to be a well-situated city with good water full of life. That's what we're called to, right? Okay, so let's talk about the city that Elisha is actually in. Okay, he is in the famous, does anybody want to guess the name of the city he's in? Bible trivia here, Bible trivia 101. Anybody want to guess? Sandy, do you know? Okay, he is in Jericho. You know what happened in Jericho? The walls fell down. A lot of other things happened in Jericho. Jericho during this time was a very important and ancient city. It was located north of the Dead Sea. It was surrounded by mountains on the east and the west. It sounds like a very well-situated city, doesn't it? When the Israelites conquered it in Joshua's day, it was the most important city in the Jordan Valley and the strongest fortress in all the land of Canaan. And it was five miles from a very important river. I'm going to ask you a Bible trivia question again. Does anybody know what the important river was? What? Somebody said it. Jordan. It was the Jordan River. So the spring that Elisha heals here in a story that we're talking about is flowing from the Jordan River. So how can a spring from the Jordan be bad? Can I tell you some things that happened at the Jordan? Okay, we just talked about that, that Elisha parted the sea, the, the Jordan River, with a cloak. Also, it's the Jordan that God parts for the Israelites for them to walk across to the promised land, and they walk across on dry land. And they set up memorials right there in the Jordan River to remember all that God has done. And then it's the Jordan that Elisha tells the leper Naaman to go wash in. Seven times. And he's healed. And then it's the Jordan that Jesus is baptized in. So when we talk about this well-situated city in Jericho, we're talking about this river, the, the, the spring that Elisha heals, is flowing from the Jordan River. So somewhere on the path from, from the beginning of the Jordan River to Jericho, the water has become bad. This is significant. Because the Lord is telling us right now that it shows the re his redemptive power. It's, he's saying, I can take anything, a city that's not producing life, and make it alive. I can take dead things and resurrect them. And I had two questions that the Lord just had me write down 
And here they are. It says, are you feeling like you're barren and like nothing in your life can grow? And then he gave me this answer. Hold on. Because there's a man of God that is coming to visit your city. And he's bringing healing. So let's talk about the two things that Elisha used to heal the waters. If you want to write these down, these are the two things we're going to talk about. And then I'm going to kind of just um, expound on each, each topic. But one of the first things he used was, you said it, you repeated it after me, a new bowl. It wasn't an old bowl. It wasn't grandma's antique. It wasn't the bowl that's all back up in the cabinet that has a chip in it. It wasn't one that you've used every Thanksgiving for 20, 30 years. It wasn't an old bowl. It was a new bowl. It had never been used. And I think that's very significant because God works in newness. And matter of fact, Jesus talks about a type of new bowl in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, but I'm going to read Matthew's account, and this is Matthew 9, 16 through 17. And we're going to read these two verses, and then we're going to talk about what, what Jesus is, is doing here. He starts off talking to the Pharisees in parable. Don't you love it when Jesus talks in parables? He took just objects that they used and created a story so they would see it, almost like a children's pastor. Man, I love to take objects and make an object lesson. I was trying to, I've, that past two or three Sundays, I've had object lessons, but I didn't have enough uh, manpower to help me get the objects together. It takes a team. Um, but I just, you, I move in objects and, and see objects, and, and uh, it helps you see what God's talking about. Well, Jesus knew that too. He knew what spoke to the hearts of the people, and so he used parables so that some of them would understand what he was talking about, but some of them did not understand what he was talking about. So let us be the people today that understands what Jesus is talking about. So here we are, Matthew 9, 16. He says, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. And then in 17, he says this, Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. So Jesus is, like I said, talking, teaching in a parable here. Right before he gives the, this parable, the people have asked him, Jesus, why don't you and your disciples fast like the Pharisees do and John the Baptist's disciples? So he blows his mind, their minds with this parable. And he says, I am a new wine, and I want to pour into new wine skins. The Pharisees are not new wineskins. If the truth I speak is poured into them, they're not going to be able to handle it because they're living by the law. And I am here as a grace and, and freedom and to be freed from the law. And the, the, the Pharisees can't take it. They'll just burst. And my wine will be wasted. Sandy, I want to sing the, oh, you got it, girl. Yep. 
the old kids' church song. I want to sing it so bad, but I'm not Jason. I'm not going to sing it because um, I love when he sings it, but because he's got a good voice, but mm, I don't. All right. So he says, and, and just kind of looks at his disciples, and we can look at them and say, his disciples were well-situated cities that he could pour his wine into, right? Okay? All right, so I want to explain wineskins and why this is a big deal, because, you know, we don't use wineskins around here. They did in the olden days, in the Bible days. So I want to give you some history. Can I do that? And then you will understand what Jesus is talking about. So the reason you couldn't put new wine in old wineskins was because once the wineskin had been stretched, it would lose elasticity. It would become, that was hard to say, elasticity. Hey, it's got city in it. That's cool. All right. It would become brittle and could not be used again. Oh, the city on the hill. Jesus wants you to be pliable. He wants things that have stretched you to make you new and not old and brittle. He wants to take the things that have made us brittle and he wants to make them new. So what the enemy meant for evil, God wants to turn around and use for good. He wants to bring a new bowl and heal our water today. So here's the process of making a new wineskin. All right, here's what it took. It took two pieces of leather, usually goat skin, and the people would sew them together, and the seams would be sealed with a resin. Usually the resin was from a pine or a juniper tree. All right, I'm getting real technical here, but trust me, it's going, it's going to get back to the Word of God. The way the resin was made was to be heated to a very high temperature until it became a black, sticky liquid. So they could take that resin and they could seal up the seams of the wineskin. You ever feel like the Lord just had you in the middle of high temperature? I've been in the middle of high temperature. And I'm not sure that I exactly became what God wanted me to become in the process. And so this morning, the Lord is wanting to teach us how to become new wine skins so that he can pour his new wine into us and when he does it's going to just stretch you know the stretching process cannot be sometimes it's not fun right the different things that we've gone through in our lives I can just kind of you know I don't know what I know what some of you guys have been through but I can only speak personally what I've been through and you know dealing with loss is stretching dealing with sickness Man, it stretches. Dealing with disappointment is very stretching. 
And so what Jesus is saying today is I want to make you a new wineskin. And whenever you're stretched and whenever the things that come against you and and the, the world where the loss and the disappointments and all the things the world has to offer, when it comes against you and on top of you and stretches you, I want to give you a new wine so you can help understand that I am moving on your behalf and that I am with you always, that you're never left alone. It's his new wine that he's wanting to pour inside of you. So the reason Elisha uses a new bowl is because new water can only come from a new source. You can't rely on the old water to bring you the life that we so need in our well-situated city. So I wrote this down. I said, whatever old stuff is feeding your city, here's what the Lord is saying today. It is time for a new source. He says, I'm here to pour new wine in you. Is fear feeding your city? Because his new wine says that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Is pride feeding your city? Because Second Chronicles says this, if we humble ourselves and pray and seek God's face, he will heal our land. Is anxiety feeding your city? Because clearly, several times, Jesus specifically says, do not worry. Is your own self-sufficiency feeding your city? Because I want to tell you today, you are not sufficient enough. But he is. The Bible says that his grace is sufficient for me. So whenever you're feeling like you are not enough, God says, you don't have to do it. It's my grace. And it is sufficient. So the first thing that Elisha uses is a new bowl. And it's time to stop the wineskins from bursting and the wine running out. Here's a beautiful, beautiful picture of what God does. Let's read Jeremiah 18, 1 through 6. This is beautiful. And this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. And he says to Jeremiah, he says, go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. So you know what Jeremiah does? He goes down to the potter's house. You see how obedience and in and, and scripture, how obedience is so good for you and your relationship with the Lord. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw the potter. I saw him working at the wheel. You ever seen that? It is just the coolest thing. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. 
Sometimes in our lives, we look at the circumstances, we look at the different things that are going on in our lives, and we say, really, God? This is how you're shaping me? But it's whatever seems best to him. And then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. He's saying, I want to make you into a new bowl. And it's the bowl that I want to form and fashion. And it's just exactly for you. So he wants to make your city ready for the king to come. Jesus visits Jericho twice when he's on earth. And again, he brings healing to the city of Jericho. You know the stories blind Bartimaeus is healed and becomes productive. Zacchaeus is made new and salvation comes to his house. He wants to take the marred, the unproductive, the barren, the misshaped, the disappointments, the bitterness, the unforgiveness. He wants to take all of those things and he wants to shape you into the new bowl that he wants to make. And then he wants to pour inside of you his new wine. All right, so we've talked about the bowl. Now let's talk about the salt. Again, this is such a, just a beautiful picture of what, what Jesus does. Scott, let's go to Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth. So Jesus calls you a city, and he calls you the salt. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So here's some things that salt does, and you want to write this down, okay? Salt purifies. It's a cleanser. I should have got Holland and Jason's advice on this, but what it does for a wound. If I'm wrong about this. You guys tell me. This is just Google Doc right here. I'm just Dr. Googling it, okay? So don't you Dr. Google, right? We don't Dr. Google. Google doctor, he don't know what he's talking about, Okay? He'll, he'll feed you some lies. All right. That was just a little commercial break. All right. So here's what salt can do. It can help heal a wound. Just like a salty dish makes you thirsty, salt acts to dehydrate damaged cells. It's helping to pull the harmful fluids out of a wounded area. Salt purifies. It goes into the wound and it pulls out the fluids that are harming your body. Jesus says, I'm the salt. 
And I want to purify you. I want to take out the things that are wounding and harming you and creating a city that is well situated, but it just has some bad water. If we can just get to the source, you're going to be the city on the hill that I've called you to be. Salt is also a preservative. Salt is instrumental in making things last longer. It sustains life. It symbolizes faithfulness. It also makes things taste good. But do you know it's not actually the salt that you're tasting? There's a chemistry in it. We think salt adds flavor to food, but actually what is happening is chemistry. Salt releases flavor by breaking the cell walls in vegetables, fruits, and meats. And as a result, this allows us to enjoy the natural flavor of the food. It just tastes so good. Have you ever had something that was not salty enough or too salty? You just got to have the right, just right amount, man. And it tastes, ooh, so good. Mark 9.50, Jesus says this, Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. Just as the salt of the Lord has purified us, preserves us, it should make us salty. Not in a bad way. People use that word now, like, oh, you're so salty. But we don't want to be, you're so salty. We want to be, we are salty. We are the salt of the world. As the people of God, we need to be a well-situated city. And we should taste good to those around us. So that others see the city on the hill and say, I want whatever they got. I want what she's got. I want the salt. I want the new wine. I want that. And the Lord wants to make our land productive. He wants to take the barren things. He wants to take the things that are not producing life. He wants to take the dead things in our city. And he wants to come and bring new wine and new life. And he wants to make us a productive Land. And I love what happens here in Elisha uh, when he applies the salt to the water. Scott, can you go to 2 Kings 2.21? You guys turn with me there. Let's go back to our story. And in 2 Kings 2.21, he says this, Then he went out to the spring, and he threw the salt into it, saying, This is what the Lord says. I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. So Jesus is saying to us today what the prophet Jeremiah wrote. And we read it just a few minutes ago. It says, but the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed 
best to him. Let the potter who knows best shape you. You might be sitting here today and saying, man, I wish my boss was here to hear this message because their city, his city is, well, is not well situated and they've got some bad water. Or I wish that family member was here to hear this message because they really need to get their, well, their, their city well situated. And so I was thinking about this and like, oh, Lord, we can't do anything about anyone else's city. We can only do what God is calling us to do for our own city. And maybe today you feel like your past has shaped you. Or maybe today you feel like, Lord, I just feel like an old creation and I need to be made new today. So I just want you to, I'm, I'm, I'm closing, and I want you to close your eyes. And Lord, we just thank you that your word is alive, and it's active, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And so, Lord, today... Maybe whenever we were talking about the scripture about the wineskins. And I was explaining the process of the old wineskins and the word brittle just stood out to me. Maybe the things in, that have happened in your life or the circumstances um, revolving around your past or whatever it is this morning that is just making you feel brittle today. God says, I want to heal your land. I want to bring healing to your city. Or maybe you just are saying today, Lord, I need the power of the Holy Spirit to make my land productive and alive. Sometimes we just walk, go, just go about just day-to-day -day things and get busy and, and, and just things and time and, and all the, the busyness just makes, just comes in and squeezes out our being productive and being alive and living in the things of God and living in His Word and, and understanding what He's about. And we just would say today, Lord, I need a miracle in my land. I need Jesus to come and give me fresh and living water. Or maybe you're saying today, Lord, I need you to make me salty. Lord, I'm not a city on a hill. My, my light is not shining. My saltiness is not making others want to pursue you and ask what's different about me that 
I'm living in peace and living in joy and living with no fear. And Lord, we just want to taste good so that others will see and know you, God, and, and bring glory to you, Jesus. And the light will shine and shine on their darkness and they would see the light of Jesus. So I don't know how the Holy Spirit has spoken to you today, but his word has been preached and he always speaks through his word. And so at any moment today, as the word has been preached and it's alive and it's active and it's, it's coming and it's touched your heart, if it has pricked your heart and says, ooh, mm, I need to change that in my life. Or, Mm, Lord, I need you to bring the new bowl and I need you to bring the salt and I need you to make me new. Or, oh, Lord, the disappointments and the circumstances of this life, Lord, they're just, they've just marred me and, and shaped me into somebody I don't want to be and I want to be in the potter's hands and I want you to shape me the way you want to shape me. This is how he says to do it. Is you just submit and you surrender. And you say, Lord, give me the new bowl. Give me the salt. And I need the power of the Holy Spirit to help my city be alive and productive, and shining on a hill so that others will see you and want to say, I want to taste and see that the Lord is good. So this morning, the way I'm going to do the altar call is if, if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you and just wants you to submit and to surrender and just whatever he needs to come and do a work in your city this morning. And you just say, I need you, Lord. I need you to come, and I need you to work on my city. Bring a new bowl. Bring the salt. If that's you today, I just want you to raise your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see those hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to pray for you, and then I want you to pray with me. So let me pray for you first. Lord, you saw the hands. I said, I want to submit and surrender. Man, as where I was reading about the prophets who just obeyed and the people who just obeyed whenever the, the Lord speaks, then, then, Lord, you can come and then you can do something. And so this morning I'm thankful. And, and Lord, I'm honored to pray for those who, who quickly raise their hands and says, that's me. I want to submit. I want to surrender to the will of God today. I want him to come. I want him to bring a new bowl. I want him to bring the salt. I want him to bring it. I want him to purify me. I want him to preserve me. I want me, him to help me to taste good to others. So this morning, Lord, you come and you do the work. Potter, 
You come and you shape and you mold and you form and you create us into what you want us to be. So, Jesus, we thank you today. We thank you for coming. We thank you for calling. We thank you for changing. So, Lord, we raise our hands this morning and surrender. And we submit to the potter's will. Lord, make us a new bowl. Form us into a new wineskin. And then, Lord, pour on the salt and then pour on the new wine. We receive it, Jesus. So just repeat after me. If you Just everybody repeat, but especially if you raised your hands, just say, Jesus, I surrender. I submit to you. Form me, Lord. Fashion me, Lord. Shape me, Lord, into a vessel that is used by the Holy Spirit. Make me salty. Bring the new bowl. Bring the new wine. And fill me up. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. I'm just going to open the altars up. The music's going to play. If you would like to come and be prayed for or just kneel before the Lord in submission and surrender this morning, the altars are open. If you're not good, if, if, if that's not Lord, Lord calling you to do that today, then you're dismissed. Have an awesome week. Come back next week. We're so excited to see our missions team and what all they're going to uh, be able to testify about. Be praying for them as they travel today and tomorrow, and then we'll see you back next week. I love you guys. Have a blessed, blessed week in Jesus' name. Amen.